I'm going to invite my uh, friend Andrea to come and do the scripture reading, and I'll pray over our giving time real quick. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to reflect on the generosity of those around us, the ways that we can be generous through serving, as we'll hear from in the sermon today, um, and ultimately how all of that points to your great generosity. I pray your blessing on all these folks and the gifts that they have to give. In Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture comes from 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and be sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Andrea. Well, we as a church have been focused on this theme of renewal now since the beginning of the year looking at the promise of Jesus that when he does that work of salvation in us, we become new creations in Christ. How many of you are a new creation in Christ Jesus? And we know that Jesus from the throne, because the, the book of Revelation tells us Jesus sitting on the throne says, behold, I am making all things new. How many of you know that our world needs some renewal? How many of you know there's some broken things in need of the type of renewal that politicians can't do? Uh, only Christ Jesus can do the work of renewal that we ultimately need. And so we've been looking at this theme, how the gospel renews us in our minds, in our hearts, in our bodies, how the gospel renews our relationships, marriage, parenting, friendship, uh, dating, singleness. And now we've been looking at practical matters, how the gospel renews our relationship with money and time and rest and work and service. And we have a, a handful more of topics that we're going to be addressing here throughout the rest of March and into April, and I announced it last week, but maybe just in case some of you were uh, not here or asleep or whatever, uh, we will be diving into the book of Leviticus starting in May. The, you guys can quit asking. We're fine. We're just going to do it. Okay, fine. You wanted it. You got it. So uh, I finished outlining the series this last week, and I, I'm not exaggerating when I say multiple times. I've just been like, like excited energy, like I'm excited, right? You, I'm excited, but like I'm like so much excited energy just at how the gospel is so on display in the book of Leviticus. I cannot wait to go through it together and uh, maybe we should have weekly barbecue uh, to keep up with the Levitical practices. So, but today we are going to talk about serving. Talk about serving. And so I'd like to just invite you to a moment of prayer here where we bring our hearts before the Lord. God is with us. Uh, sometimes we are distracted and unaware. So let's just take a moment and pause in the presence of the Lord and I'll pray for us as we look at these instructions from uh, the Apostle Peter. Lord, we bring our, our weary hands to you today. Lord, I confess, and we, anyone else who wants to join with me, confess that there are times where we don't want to serve. We don't feel like serving. Or Lord, we do want to, but we feel burdened or weary. So Lord, my prayer 
is that you would use my feeble words in this offering to be a blessing and to an encouragement to all my sisters and brothers who are here today that we would be built up in the gospel, not uh, whipped into a frenzy or guilted or shamed into serving, but Lord, genuinely moved by the way that you have served us that we might turn around and serve others with that same kind of love. Give this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. When speaking about something like serving, I believe that we carry a lot of imported meaning or a lot of imported baggage into a word like serving. If I ask a question, even a simple question, like what does it mean to serve? For some of you, it might carry implications of just doing something I don't want to do. Doing something I don't want to do. It could just be an, an automatic negative connotation. Actually, think about this. Okay, um, I'm just old enough to remember when flight attendants were called stewardesses, and I'm also just old enough now to know that restaurants, they used to call them waiters. They don't call them waiters anymore. What do they call them? Server. I don't know when that change happened. Nobody consulted me, but it's like, oh, your server will be with you shortly. Like, my server? My, my servant? My, my hired servant? And... Uh, actually, silly as it may be, let me ask you this. Quick show of hands. Raise your hand if you have eaten out at a restaurant in the last month. And not like a fast food. I mean like a sit-down. You sit there. They bring you food. Okay, think about this. In the history of humankind, that experience that you just had was experienced by the royalty, tip of the top, 1% of the 1% of the 1%. You didn't go harvest the grain. You didn't grind it into flour. You did not shape it into the shape of a bun. And you did not bake it. And then you did not slaughter the cow, grind it up into burger, cook the burger. You, you look like you ordered burgers. I was just assuming from the way this crowd looks. You're a burger crowd. Uh, you did not prep all of that food. You did not do all of that work yourself. No, 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 no. You went to a restaurant like Nebuchadnezzar and you sat down and you said, I will take a hamburger please, with extra ketchup so I can dip my fries in it. And then you got rude to the servant server because they didn't bring you the extra ketchup that you asked for. Repent! You did it. Think about how ridiculous of an experience that is, right? That, that there are people out there growing food and crafting it and putting it on trucks and bringing it to the restaurant and somebody in the back is cooking it for you and somebody else is putting it all together and then the servant comes and kneels at your table and puts it down and you got mad because they forgot your ketchup. When we talk about serving, a cultural experience like that lands differently with us than the hearers of the Apostle Peter. We are, you know what's also crazy about it too is that the servant, the server at the restaurant I have a good buddy of mine who's a, a, he's a server at a restaurant. And he can take off his you know, apron or whatever, take off his name tag, and he can walk down to a different restaurant and then he can switch roles and he can be served by someone else. It's just wild. Our culture is wild. <laughs> what does it mean to serve? So I spent some time this week because this question, I feel like there's, again, there's so much more imported meaning into it. And... Uh, so I, I did a survey. I started doing a word survey just all throughout the Old Testament, the, the, the word serving, and it comes from the Hebrew word abda, which you might remember a few weeks ago I taught you that that Hebrew word to serve can also be translated as to worship. 
the Hebrew word is translated um, serve or, or offer or worship. In the New Testament, the word is doulos, and it's actually where we get the word uh, doula. If anyone of you have ever you know, given birth um, to the ladies in the room, I'm talking, uh, you ever given birth, you have an assistant or a servant, a doula, a doula that comes alongside and helps you, and uh, that's where that word comes from. So I started reading and I started doing some, uh, you know, kind of cataloging of things and what are the different elements I see and what are the different aspects I see. And I I wrote out my own definition of service. And this is a synthesis of of a variety of different things that I see in the Bible. And I'm going to show you this in 1 Peter in just a moment. But this is my definition of service. It's heartfelt activity in a clearly defined role for the blessing of another. Heartfelt activity in a clearly defined role for the blessing of another. These four elements. So let me start with activity. Obviously, serving is activity. It's action. It's something you do. It's something that you, 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 you put effort in. It's work. That shouldn't be controversial. That should be fairly obvious. The idea of it being heartfelt, true biblical service is heartfelt. It overflows from a heart of love. It overflows from a heart of sincerity. It overflows from a heart of gladness. The other thing that was maybe the most surprising to me, though, is how often the word service is used about a particular role. In the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, as I was studying in depth this week, you know, they, they, they enter their service as priests, or someone was serving as a prophet, or someone served as a judge or a king, or in the New Testament, someone served as an elder or as a deacon. It's very, very often attached to kind of a clearly defined role. And it's for the blessing of another. It's to, it's to bless them. And, and sometimes that blessing is because they have a need but other times that blessing is just because, to, to, to let them know that they're loved and valuable. How many of you have ever participated in something like a meal train? You guys know the meal train where you can sign up and bring people food? Um, you know, think of people, somebody who you was know, sick or, or got injured, and everyone, there's, there's an obvious need, so let's all bring them a meal and care for them that way. But have you ever had someone just drop off, like, donuts just because? Like, just... Because they, oh, you look a little too skinny. Here's some donuts, right? And they, and they love you that way. They, they want your blood pressure to go up so that you can meet Jesus sooner, I guess. I don't know. But just the idea of, <laughs> the idea of you, can, you can do a blessing because they have an obvious need. Or you can bless them just because you're thinking of them. I just care for you. I just want you to know how much I love you. This is my best attempt at a synthesis of kind of an overall biblical portrait of serving. Look with me again at, at 1 Peter 4, going into verse 10, and I believe we can see each of these elements on display in this passage we're looking at. In, in verse 10, it says, just as uh, each one has received a gift, use it to use it. There's that act- activity and that action. Use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength uh, God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything, right? Those elements are there. The work and the activity is obvious there, but there's a defined role. It says you are stewards. Be a good steward. That's a job description. That's a role. You guys know what a steward is? That's another one of those kind of Bible or even just old-fashioned sounding words that we don't use as much, but it means you are taking care of something that doesn't belong to you. You are doing something, uh, you, you are entrusted with something, it's not yours, you don't own it, and the way that you care for it shows love and care for the other person. Over the last month or so, my oldest daughter has been doing some dog sitting and some house sitting for those very trusting people back there, and uh, it just like, man, the, the, 
I saw the way that she treated your house. She doesn't treat my house as nice as she treats your house. She was a steward. She was being a good steward. I went over and checked on her. Um, I looked through your closet a little bit too, just to see if there's any, you know, coats I liked or anything. But um, that idea of steward, I, we, my wife and I, one time we were offered a free place to stay for a while when I was serving as an intern at a previous church. And I remember it's like, man, just take such good care of it all. That word steward actually calls back to mind for humanity, the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were placed in the garden to work it and to care for it and to guard it and to protect it. God made everything, all of creation. It belongs to God, but humanity was given this role of stewardship to care for it in a way to bless God and to bless others. The blessing is there. The the blessing is there in in the language of glorifying God. That we're going to bless God. You guys know... Um, this is not a trick question. Does God need anything from us? No. Good job. I was not trying to trick you. I warned you. You got it correct. God does not need anything from us. So when we bless God, it's not a needs-based blessing. In fact, in, in the ancient Near Eastern world, most of the pagan practices of the people were because they thought the gods were needy. You can read about this like in Hittite worship or Sumerian worship or Akkadian worship. They would offer sacrifices because the gods need food. And and again, just, you know, not to jump ahead into Leviticus already, but like the sacrifices given in Leviticus, God doesn't need anything. It's for his blessing and it's for the blessing of others. It's to tell God, I love you. I'm thankful for you. And we serve others because I love you. And so that there's this blessing that comes through And there's the heartfelt joy here when it talks about the language of a gift, just as each one has received a gift. Who doesn't like receiving gifts? You know, we talk about the five love languages or whatever. I think everyone's love language is gifts. Does anyone hate gifts? No, I hate it. I don't feel loved at all when people give me gifts. I've not met anybody like that. It's just silly. But the idea of a gift that comes from this sincere place of joy, it makes me think of like a little kid, uh, trying to bring breakfast in bed to their mom. Mom, I just love you, and I would like to bless you by burning some toast and, <laughs> and, and, then, just, and then bringing all of those crumbs into your bed. Uh, I don't know, whoever came up with the idea of breakfast in bed is like, woo, a little, a little odd. Uh, go eat that mess at the table. Anyways, uh, but the point is that the little kid comes with the breakfast in bed for the mom, and it's, the, the offering itself isn't that impressive, and the mom could do all those things for herself, but it's, but it's this heartfelt, I just love my mom. I just care for my mom. I just want to offer a gift and offer a blessing. And when we serve others in a biblical sort of way, it flows from that heart. We were created to serve, not because God is needy, but because it's a blessing to him, to others, and to us. But... If we are given these instructions from the Apostle Peter, what does it imply? It implies that we don't serve the way that we were created to. Just as a thought experiment, if these, if these four elements of biblical serving must be there, what happens when you start taking away some of those elements? If you take away the element of work, the God-given energy, the strength that he provides, Peter says, well, then you get laziness. Laziness, not activity. It's, it's, it's as, uh, you know, as common a problem as anything we deal with. Anybody here, raise your hand. You ever been lazy? 
You ever not wanted to serve someone even though you know you ought to? When you take away that God-given strength and energy and the activity we're supposed to do, yeah, it's like, well, I, I would love to serve you, but I just, just turned on this game I'm watching, and it's, it's only four quarters. Don't worry, it'll be done before you realize it. But it's laziness, not activity. That was me confessing my <laughs> sins before you all. What happens if you take out the element of the, the definition and order? Like if, if there's not like a clearly defined rule or something you're supposed to do, what if you take that out? Well, then you end up with busyness instead of fruitfulness. Our God is not a God of disorder. He's a God of order. And as image bearers, the work that we do, so much of what it means to steward God's creation is to bring his order to the disorder that exists. When God says uh, to Adam and Eve to go into the world, to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, and subdue it. You know the word subdue is a super intense word? It's the same word that's used of kings like conquering over uh, a foreign city. Subdue means the world needed to be brought into order. And there's a job and there's a role that's given. But if we don't have that job, if we don't have that stewardship, if we don't have that definition, well, then we just end up running around doing a bunch of things and no fruit is produced. We're busy and we're not fruitful. Has anyone ever had a week like that at work? We're like, I have just done so much and there's nothing to show for it. Anyone ever had that at your home? It's like, I'm just, I'm just busy. What, have I, what did I do? I'm just busy. Well, I know what you did. You were checking Facebook. So repent and knock it off. But... Busy is not serving. Fruitfulness is serving if you take away that element of order and the clearly defined role. What if you take away the blessing of another? Well, then obviously you get self-focused, selfish serving that's not focused on others. And if, if laziness is one way that serving gets distorted just by not serving, this one I think is even more insidious. This is so dangerous. This is like carbon monoxide for your spiritual growth. Because on the surface, you look really servant-hearted. On the surface, you're at church every week, you're serving others, you're the one like, oh, I always bring the meals to the people who need it, oh, I always, I'm just there for everybody, I just care for everybody. But really, deep down underneath, it is not about blessing others, it is about fulfilling a need for yourself so that you feel important, you feel wanted, you feel loved, you feel valued. Instead of serving out of the gospel as your motivation, you are serving others to get something for yourself. It's so wicked but it looks so good on the surface. And sometimes in church, um, sometimes in church it can provide a a breeding ground for that kind of toxic, self-focused serving that does not flow from a genuine heart of love. And lastly, what if you get rid of the, the joy? Well, then you just end up with kind of heartless, begrudging, you ever seen a kid where it's like, hey, I need you to clean your room, and they're like, they go and they do it, but they're like, fine, and they go do it, right? You ever seen a kid? Like, uh, you don't look like the kind of people that would have kids that do that, but you've probably seen other people's kids who have acted that way. Hi, Hadley, how are you doing? (laughs) You get this joyless, begrudging sort of service. Hannah Whittle-Smith, she's a newer um, author I just was introduced to. She's a Quaker in the 1800s, and she wrote these words in a devotional I read recently. She said, certain things which at the first may have been a joy and a delight become after a while weary tasks, performed faithfully perhaps, but with much secret disinclination. That just means secretly you just don't want to. The soul finds itself saying instead of the may I of love, the must I of duty. 
You have known, of course, that this was the wrong way to feel and have been thoroughly ashamed of it, but still you have seen no way to help it. What a mess. Something so beautiful, something so core that God created us in his image and likeness to serve others and to serve him. We make such a mess out of it. It becomes so distorted. Laziness and selfishness and heartlessness and chaos and busyness. So where is our hope? Our hope is to have our service renewed by Jesus through the message of the gospel. Go back to verse 7 with me when he says this. He says, Peter, Peter writes, The end of all things is near, so therefore you got to be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for as you know... Love covers a multitude of sins. How many of you know that it is only God's love that is our hope to have our sins be covered over and washed away? We love each other out of the way that God, through Christ, has loved us. He says, because of this, be hospitable to one another without complaining, just as each one has received a gift, received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. How many of you know that God's grace is a gift? His grace is a gift to us, and we experience his grace in a lot of different ways, but the number one way that God gives us his grace is by forgiving us of our sins, by washing us clean, by redeeming us from our laziness and our selfishness and our our heartlessness. He gives us his grace. Because of that, if anyone speaks, let him speak as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength that God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. It's to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. It all comes through Jesus Christ. It all comes through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. You think about Jesus with my my, my broad definition of what it means to serve. Jesus took action, did he not? He left heaven. He took on human flesh and he entered into human history and he preached and he healed and he died on the cross and he ultimately rose again for our salvation. And he he served in a defined role. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the king. He's the ultimate one that has been entrusted all of the stewardship of all of God's creation. And he came and he did it heartfelt. The author of Hebrews tells us that it was for the joy that was set before him. Jesus endured the cross. Friends, do not let a picture of Jesus enter into your mind or into your imagination of him just kind of, well, Father, if I have to. Even the, even the pleading of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was a pleading from a place of love and delight and joy to say, I'm going to do this because I care for the people that you have given to me, Lord God. And Jesus did it to bless us that we might be forgiven and experience eternal life. Jesus is the ultimate servant. And you want to know what's, what's interesting as well? Reading Leviticus made me go read Hebrews. So I've been reading Hebrews as well because Hebrews is like a kind of a, a companion volume to Leviticus to explain it to, to, to followers on the other side of Jesus. One of the elements, we, we, we talk about Jesus' death. We talk about his resurrection. We're going to celebrate his resurrection next month on Easter Sunday. One of the elements that we often leave out and we forget is his ascension. That Jesus ascended into heaven. And do you know what he's doing right now in heaven? Do you know what his job is? Do you know what his role is? High priest 
who lives to make intercession for us. Did you know that Jesus is still continually serving those who believe in him? He is serving us right now as we worship together. He is serving you later on today or later on this week when you stumble and you fall and you give place to sin and you mess up. He is still serving you more than you could ever serve him. This is the good news of the gospel, friends. It would be so much easier to come up here and try to, you know, kind of, I don't know, guilt you into serve more. It would be so much easier for me, especially with my personality type, just to get up and excite you and energize you. Isn't serving fun? No, but the only fuel that's going to really last is the gospel of Jesus Christ. All those other things, it's like, um, it's like a starter fluid, right? Like for a carbureted engine, you spray it in there, boom, it explodes, it's great, and then it's gone. I also use it for starting um, like campfires in my backyard. It's very effective at that. But then once it goes away and the, the wood is like kind of wet and it doesn't work anymore, oh, the fire just kind of dies out. It's kind of like that. I could do guilt or I could just do inspiration, rah, rah, rah. No, friends, you need to remember the gospel that Jesus has served us by his life and death, and he is continuing to serve us. And one day when Jesus returns, we will serve him and he will shepherd us forever. This is incredible. Now, let me talk practical for a minute here. How, how can you then be a servant? How can you enter that position of, of serving? Well, number one, like I've said, and if I sound like a broken record and repeating myself, it's on purpose. You've got to be fueled by the gospel. You just have to keep coming back to the fountain of his grace. Every week on Sundays for worship and we eat and drink at the table, it's a, it's a, it's a reminder, it's even a spiritual practice of the Lord nourishing us and strengthening us and, and reminding us of his service to us. You gotta keep coming back to the gospel. I, didn't, I quoted from that lady, Hannah Whittle-Smith. That's what she says in, in, as well, so you know I'm right when I say it. You gotta keep coming back to the gospel again and again and again and again. Number two, Here's where we get a little more practical. You need to identify the opportunity. You have to identify the opportunity. Now listen, sometimes we can serve when someone asks us to serve. And I think, again, that's a lot of the, um, kind of the cultural definition of serving. You think of a server at a restaurant. They're going to serve you what you ask for. You go in, you say, I would like this hamburger. They're going to bring you the hamburger. They're going to do what you ask. Sometimes serving works like that. In a healthy marriage, the spouses are, are communicating, hey, here's how you could love me. Here's how you could serve me. Here's practical things, or here's more relational, emotional things. In a, a church community, we're communicating, or, oh, we just found out that, you know, so-and-so's in the hospital. Let's go serve them. But it gets a little bit tricky sometimes when you don't know what they need, and so my encouragement to all of you is you identify the opportunity to serve. Don't just wait for someone to ask you. Don't just wait. Sometimes even the pressure of like, hey, how can I serve you? Sometimes I don't even know. You put on your Sherlock Holmes hat. You get out your magnifying glass. You start paying attention and look at the lives of others. Look at the lives around you and say, how, how can I be a blessing how could I genuinely serve them? And third, I want to encourage you to apply it in the various spheres of your life, such as home, community, and the church. In your home, some of you are married, some of you have kids, maybe some of you uh, live alone or you have roommates. What would it look like for you to serve and be a blessing, to, to demonstrate the gospel in your home life? 
What would it look like for you to serve in your community, right? Your, maybe that's your workplace. Maybe that's the neighborhood where you live. Maybe it's the, um, the school where your kids go or the, the place of education that you go. How could you apply this to your community? And then, obviously, we're here. We're, we're part of the community of faith. How can we serve one another? That's the direct, that's the direct instruction from Peter to serve one another in the church. It's actually interesting. I read through the entire First Peter letter, and there are instructions about how to serve the broader community. There's instructions about husbands, how to, how to serve wives. Wives serve your husband. So all of these are, are throughout the letter in First Peter. We're focusing in on the church here today. You know, sometimes it's helpful um, when you think about something like this to be able to just offer some perspective and some insight from somebody who's not me, but somebody who uh, I have found to be a very servant-hearted person. I'm going to invite Jeremy to come up here. And um, Jeremy, I got to know him. He's been coming around for a while now, a year or so. And uh, very early on, I just noticed, oh, this is a guy who seems to really enjoy serving. Come on here, boss. Uh, I was saying, I said something about, I was playing drums one week, and I was like, man, I really would love this song. We really love a rivet cymbal. And if you don't know what a rivet symbol is, it's just a symbol that makes more noise. And uh, the very next Sunday, Jeremy comes walking up to me and he's like, here, I got you this rivet symbol. I was like, whoa, that's a huge blessing. And just, so I started paying attention and noticing, and you guys don't probably, I mean, you're the 11 o'clock service, and a lot of you were even late to the 11 o'clock service, so God bless you. But he's like early to the band practice at seven. He's not even in the band. He just shows up and sits there and goes, do it again, play it better. But then, and, and then actually ends up just helping and serving in a, in a variety of ways. And so I've, I've just been blessed, you know, not to, not to put Jeremy on a pedestal or something like that, but just to say, here's someone who God has kind of gifted and wired in this way to love to serve others. And I think there's things from his example we could learn. So Jeremy, can you just share like, you know, have you, have you always kind of been that way? Was that something even when you were like young or growing yeah, up? Or uh, how, how, did that, how did that happen in your life to just become someone who sure. loves to serve? Sure. Uh, I, obviously something that God is grown and gifted in me. I grew up kind of impoverished and kind of uh, emotionally unstable, a lot of chaos, and uh, didn't have a lot of things to work with. And so as I grew in the knowledge of Christ himself and, and saw that he was the king of everything and had everything and didn't need anything, yet chose to come to hang out with a guy like me, mm. kind of ruined and a mess, yeah. and, uh, and intentionally gave himself to these things. Um, I took that as an example. Like, what if these things that I feel like I need, like I have to have, what if those are signals for me to give to someone else? What, what if I already had everything I needed in Christ? What if, if I was full? You know, what, if, what if I didn't need anything, but I could take these alerts and these awarenesses and apply it to the people around me? Yeah. That's, that's so awesome to hear that. <laughs> uh, what if the things I think I want and need are actually signals yeah. that I need to serve somebody else. Yeah. That's convicting for me. Yeah. yeah, it's for all of us, right? Yeah. Right? Right? We, we have everything in Christ. You know, the Lord is my portion I should not want, right? I don't need anything. Mm. He's cared for me. That's good. Yeah. How, I mean, talking about like the different spheres, I know like in the home or in the broader community or in the church, what are some ways that like God has just used you to yeah. serve and to be a blessing to others where he gets the glory for yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I had an awesome opportunity as a church planner early on, kind of when Marcel was turning, planning a church. We were planning a church in parallel, as it were. And when you plan a church, you get to make all kinds of strange things up. You get to be creative. So I had a I know, role in the yes. church. Yes, I know, fun, yeah, that's right? great. It's, it's an inventive time. Like, we want to do something that hasn't been done. We want to reach our community in a way that it hasn't been reached. 
And so my role in the church was people in the congregation would gift me to people that had some sort of crisis. And so there was this mom, she had this thing called fibromyalgia. So if you hurt yourself, you get like a pain signal to your brain and she would get like 20 for every one. And it was crippling. And so she would just call sometimes and uh, be like, I can't take care of my kids. You know, I can't, I can't do it. So I'd just come over, we'd hang out and watch Littlefoot and do the dinosaur movies. And, you know, I learned to change a diaper. Traumatized all of us who were yes. born in the 80s, yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. So I learned to change a diaper as a single man out of necessity. Like, there's a mess here and I have to do something with this. And I don't know what to do. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the Lord was gracious. Yeah. And we figured this thing out. And, and mom was able to get the healing that she needed. And, you know, I told the story at the first service where there was a single mom who had a son who was kind of whacked out. And he accidentally backed into the neighbor's house with his car. And they didn't have the ability to fix these things or do anything with this. They, they don't know what to do. So somebody in the congregation gifted me to them. And we were able to raise some funds through the church and some skills through the church and get some siding and go out there with the son that backed into the house and rebuild this corner of the house that he destroyed. Mm. And they ended up coming to church and they got saved. You know, and mm. That was the hub of the idea. It's an evangelistic ex- ex- yeah. adventure, right? Yep. Yeah. Serving in the community, serving in the home, serving in the church. And I guess maybe the last question is, um, how have you experienced Jesus' love for you, his grace for you, his renewing work within you through the act of serving? Yeah, so from the standpoint that I have everything I need in Christ and I don't really need anything, all of these little alerts and attentions are an invitation You know, he came and he voluntarily went into a dark place and served us. And so the awareness that I don't have to do anything, I'm cared for, I'm loved, I'm saved, I don't need anything. But that he's calling me into a relationship with him where I get to see what it meant for Christ himself to come down and engage with people like us and to put flesh on the words that we pretend to understand. (laughs) And, uh, and, and realize what's happening in a soul and someone's heart yeah. when Christ does what Christ does. Yeah. We follow his lead. That's so good. I think that the, um, I appreciate you being willing to share and I appreciate you using your gifts of service. And again, like I said, it's not to put any one person up on a, a platform or a pedestal, but it's to say um, there is a blessing to be had when, when we follow that life of Christ when we, when we experience what he has done for us and then use it to bless others. So anyways, thank you, brother. Can we just say, say thanks to uh, Jeremy for sharing for us today? If you'll allow me just for a quick couple of minutes, um, the opportunity as we're in this season of renewal as a church, opportunities to serve and to, to be plugged in and to be using those gifts are, are many um, you know, I love what, what Jeremy just said about creativity. That's a, a huge part of what this season of renewal is for us, for you to be asking the Lord, Lord, help me to be creative in, in, in utilizing my, my gifts and my abilities in the ways that I serve others in the church, in the home, in the community. Since we are here, if you would allow me to just talk for a brief moment about serving in our church specifically, uh, just to offer, again, you can put on your detective hat and you can go look for the needs, but I'll make this portion easy just to say, hey, here's some ways that you could use your gifts to serve specifically in our church and even specifically in the Sunday worship gathering. Because serving in the church,
church is broad. Some of you guys host uh, community groups or lead a men's or women's discipleship group. I've got, there's people in our church that come out and help mow the lawn during the week. Or uh, we have the Easter egg hunt coming up here on that Saturday. We're going to need all hands on deck to pull that off. So we need lots of volunteers to make that thing work. But specifically on Sunday mornings, here are some opportunities that you could do. I'll just highlight a few. There's lots and lots of ways you could serve. We have kind of our three main teams. We have the, the musicians and the production team that kind of lead this portion, what's happening here, so all the technology as well as the music. We have our um, kind of operations, the support roles, like making coffee so you don't fall asleep while I'm preaching, or uh, security, or welcome and connect, all that stuff. And we have our children's ministry team, which they're downstairs right now discipling our youngest disciples. And so I wonder if we could say thank you to them. They won't hear us if we clap, but can we do like the stadium, like the stomp rumble thing? So like, say thank you. Yeah, keep going, keep going, keep going. All right, that's good. Nobody told them that was happening in the first service, scared the daylights out of them. And I'm just so grateful for what's happening down there right now. It's awesome. Here are some opportunities just to highlight. If you would uh, pray and ask the Lord maybe to serve as a teacher, uh, we're looking for seven members of the church. And this one does require covenant membership because it's a discipleship and a teaching role. If you're not an official member of the church, we can help you. We can walk through that with you. Uh, Teaching and discipling. We don't babysit. We don't do childcare. We disciple. We teach them about Jesus. There's other areas to serve in kids as well, check-in and running and all of that, but this is a real primary one. Um, For those of you who are here in the worship gathering, uh, one of the areas that we're looking for some volunteers in is the service director. And this is a kind of a unique role where you come in and you help make sure that all the other people have what they need to succeed in their role. Uh, You do not need to be a member to do this one. Sometimes it's a little bit like technology or helping do a little troubleshooting. Sometimes you're like, where did the preacher go? The service is supposed to start and you go find them. It's kind of like that. It's a little bit of a, of a different sort of a role. You can come talk to me or Avin's up there in the booth. Um, we got to go find a bass player for uh, after this. So uh, that role is, is an important one. And then I would have highlighted security, but we actually received all five of the security volunteers in the first service that we need. So praise God for that. Um, you know, you hate to think it, but in the broken world that we live in, keeping our children and really our whole church safe is such an important way to love the church body. But there's other ways. Welcome team, connect, uh, hospitality. We make breakfast for the people that get here early in the morning. There's lots of ways to volunteer. I'm going to put a QR code up on the screen real quickly. If you are just like, hey, I want to get involved. There's other things. If, if, you, if you scan that, you beep that. If you, what did you say? Some sort of weird technology thing? What did you say about texting to give? Yes, you're weird. Uh, But if, and then I'll take you on all the different opportunities. You can kind of look through and pray about where you might want to serve. Or at the end of the gathering, we're going to have some volunteers with little green clipboards that have all sorts of other opportunities to get involved in serving. Again, remember what I said. Serving is home, community, church. I'm just highlighting here in the church ways that you can get involved in serving for the the Sunday worship gathering so that we can experience that blessing of worshiping together. But let me close with this. One last reminder that it must be service fueled by the gospel or else you'll just run on fumes. Guilt and shame don't work just for a little brief minute. Enthusiasm and excitement, they work for just a brief moment. Drinking deeply of the fountain of God's grace, remembering his death, his resurrection, his ascension and his current high priestly service for us right now, that'll get you out of bed in the morning. That'll remind you Oh yeah, I I can die to self and I can serve my wife, I can serve my neighbors, I can serve my church community when we remember what Jesus has done for us and what he will 
continue to do for us into eternity. I, I came across this passage in Revelation when I was doing my, my kind of survey about the word serving, and I just loved this portrait of the people of God serving him and God serving us for all of eternity. Listen to these words from John the Revelator. One of the elders in this vision he's having, this dream, asked me, who are these people in the white robes and where did they come from? When I said to him, sir, you know. He told me, yeah, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation, the hardship. And they washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are now before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. Closest access to God. Serving him. And the one seated on the throne will shelter and cover them. They will no longer hunger. They will no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them, nor will any scorching heat. For the lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of the waters of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And as we serve one another in the community of faith, that is the future that we are foreshadowing when we serve God and he serves us by shepherding and caring for us in perfect harmony for all of eternity. And until that day, we sing, we pray, we eat and drink at the Lord's table, and we call one another to acts of service fueled by the gospel itself. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we could never hope ever to serve you as much as you have served us. We could never pay back that debt. We could never... We could never even come close. And so, Lord, instead, would you help us to not try to pay it back, but instead to just give you everything. Give you our whole lives, our hearts, our minds, our service, our time. All of who we are, all of what we do belongs to you. And would you help us to display the goodness of the gospel with our service. Lord, as we come now to eat and drink at the table, I pray that it would be spiritually nourishing for us to remember your service and your sacrifice. We pray these things in Jesus' good name. Amen.